I'm Valeria Gras, and you are listening to Textures. Texture is a podcast about art, design, and entrepreneurship. In each episode, I chat with artists, designers, creators, and innovators, the people who add textures to our world. In each episode, you will meet with creative minds, discover their world, their work, and how they made it happen. Texture is an informal and open conversation about living and leading a creative life. Today, I have the pleasure to meet with Kathleen Curry, founder of Smoke Perfume. Kathleen is a massage therapist who discovered through a personal journey and a severe injury the power of aromatherapy. We are all living in a pretty stressful society. Depression, burnout, anxiety levels are skyrocketing. Most of people are desperately looking for a natural way to chill, relax, and heal. Whether it's yoga, Reiki, but also aromatherapy. Aromatherapy, therapy using essential oils. This is basically the extension of my knowledge. But how can essential oils have such a dramatic impact on our lives. Listen as Kathleen explains how essential oils have transformed her life. In this podcast, she teaches us the value of using high-quality, ethically sourced, all-natural and sustainable products. Smell good, feel good. Smoke perfume was launched with a single fragrance in two 2013. Let's hear about the whole story. Kathleen, thank you so much for, you know, accepting my invitation. So we're going to speak today about aromatherapy, which is a very old practice. And awareness has grown in the last decade. But I want to know what aromatherapy is. Yeah, aromatherapy is the use of of plant matter, specifically essential oils that are breathed in and and you alter your sense of well-being by breathing in these plant-based materials. So it can affect your mood, it can affect your physicality, and it's really just by breathing in these plant materials. So you were you are also not where you are also a massage therapist and I would love to learn your evolution from massage therapist to aromatherapist and you know is it always hand to hand or it's just separate it's always been hand in hand i when i was in massage school we had a whole class on aromatherapy and it was really exciting we spent a couple weeks just playing with all the oils and creating room sprays and scent blends and you know, just like massage school, there are many touchstones like that. And then once I was out of school and practicing as a massage therapist, it was really natural to have a small selection of oils in my treatment room. And, um, I would, I would just create blends for clients sort of intuitively on the spot. Like I'd pick up a bottle of say peppermint oil and then a bottle of lavender and then maybe some jasmine and just a few drops in my hand and rub them together. But it's a really powerful practice in a massage because, and it's still something I do almost every massage where the client, either at the beginning of the session or the end of session, the session or both, I will have them breathe in some essential oils pretty deeply. It helps set the tone for the session. So 
you know, your breath alone is so powerful just to take, say, five deep breaths at the beginning of a massage will help you relax. But when you combine it with aromatherapy, so if I have a client smell five deep breaths of lavender oil, it's going to be more effective than if they breathe without the lavender because the lavender, the scent molecules of the lavender will go into their nose, which will trigger their olfactory system in their brain. And these scent, these minuscule particles that they're breathing through the air are actually going to enter their bloodstream and help calm them down. So it's a pretty fascinating practice. And then usually, you know, there's so many facets to aromatherapy. So some oils are energizing, some are relaxing. So I, I plan that in a session too. So at the end of a massage, I might use peppermint oil or lemongrass oil or one of those really like awakening oils to help show them, you know, the session's over, it's time to sort of wake up, come back, you have to drive, <laughs> you know, that type so of thing. So are you um, preparing a blend based on the client's need? Do you have a discussion before? No, or? it's usually just more intuitive or I, or I just do like a single oil, you know, like lavender in the beginning, lemongrass in the end. Um, most of my clients don't come to see me for aromatherapy, and it's not something I've ever done just on its own. It's always been in combination with with body work. So, so using the um, natural elements, uh, natural plants to promote the health and well-being, was it based on your personal experience? You know, I think you have been injured and you needed, you had this quest for natural elements to heal. Can yeah. you just speak about it? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I've always been interested in holistic health and wellness. I, I just got really into the mind-body connection at a young age. I, I think even as young as 15, I started experimenting with vegetarianism and I started working out and running and learning about, about that aspect of how that affects your well-being. That's pretty, a pretty obvious link. And in college, I was kind of still on that path, taking a lot of nutrition classes and very much into the mind-body connection in regards to diet and exercise. And then I fell rock climbing and I broke my back and I was um, 18 at the time. And so that was a huge turning oh, no. point in my life. I mean, yes. I, I had never experienced any type of alternative healing before that. I had maybe had one massage in my life, but I had never experienced massage therapy or Reiki or craniosacral therapy, any of these modalities. And after that accident, after I got back from the hospital, you know, it was, it was a major accident. I was bedridden. I had to take an incomplete in my semester and I was, there was nothing I could do but heal. So I really started receiving body work in that time. And I was living in Northern Arizona, which is a very incredible healing community as the West of America is. There's just so much more alternative health in the West. So I was pretty lucky to be there because at this point through my studies with diet and nutrition, I'd kind of already started meeting people who were Reiki practitioners and body workers. And so, um, some practitioners were able to come to my house as soon as a week after the accident. So I started receiving Reiki, started receiving craniosacral therapy. Eventually, once I was out of my cast, I started, um, you know, getting more, like acupuncture or massage therapy. And then I, I think I'd always been interested in yoga and had done a lot of yoga, but I started really getting more serious about my yoga practice because I couldn't run anymore. Like I couldn't do the more extreme athletic sports I was used to doing at the time. So before yoga had been very much on the back burner. And then after that accident, I got really into it. So I don't think I would have gone to massage school if I hadn't had that accident because 
that showed me just how valuable it is for healing. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. And, you know, exactly what you're saying. We are in a very, we're living in a very uh, tense time. Everything goes so fast. You know, we are surrounded by a high level of stress, burnout, depression, anxiety, and people are looking for anything to, for self-care, exactly what you said, for yoga or, you know, massage, and now perfume. So from um, your experience going to school, massage, how did you decide to launch a perfume line? It was very accidental. Uh, I was creating, you know, I was creating these scents for my clients. I moved to New Orleans about 10 years ago and started my, like fresh out of massage school. And I started my, my private practice as soon as I moved here, just slowly building private clients. And I would use, I think I began, you know, I was a new massage therapist. So I was just getting so inspired about all the things massage related, including aromatherapy. So I was really drawn to all of these scents. And when I moved to New Orleans, I just had this big creative outburst to be, you know, back home in some ways. My dad is from here. So it was very much a homecoming in a lot of ways. And the jasmine was blooming and I found jasmine essential oil and I just loved it. And I discovered vetiver oil, which is just this wonderful grassy note. And it's very much connected to New Orleans. It's a very New Orleans ingredient to me. So I was creating a blend for myself and for my clients. That was vetiver and jasmine. And I throw other things in there and citrus and that I started wearing that. I I became like obsessed with wearing just raw essential oils, not even blending them with oil. That's exactly it. I feel obsessed too with your perfume. I wear it all the time and I just spray myself yeah two three four times a day because it makes me feel good. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so so what's going on in the brand? Because when we smell this essential oil, I mean, your blend, what's happening in the brain? Yeah, so it's triggering your olfactory um, system in your brain, and then it's entering your blood barrier. But what is so cool about essential oils versus, say, synthetic ingredients is it's a plant-derived, whole plant-derived material. So Um, the essential oil of say, well, you like to wear rituals. So there's patchouli, there's rose, there's neroli, there's cinnamon leaf, like these very rich, famous perfume ingredients in there, but they're from raw materials. So it's like distilled, like whole roses and whole neroli blossoms and whole cinnamon leaves. Like because of that, you're having this, um, synergistic, entire plant matter that you're breathing in. So it's kind of like an alive ingredient more so than a chemically derived synthetic that you would get at a lab. So you're getting these, you know, it's just like with herbalism, you can drink tea made with, with pure plants, or you can take a, a supplement that they've like taken the one medicinal quality out of the plant and made it into a pill. And Not that that's bad to take a pill derived from a natural ingredient, but it's just going to be a different experience to have the whole plant matter. So the essential oils, you're, you know, these plant qualities are entering your bloodstream when you're breathing them in. So it's, it's just affecting you in a different way. And also I was wondering, um, maybe I'm totally wrong, but the fact it's very natural, does it last maybe less longer? And that's why we have the needs of putting... Exactly. Like what you put on at first will smell different in 10 minutes, in 20 minutes, in an hour. It just changes and morphs. And to me, that's very exciting because it keeps me sort of coming back and like, oh, what does it smell like this time? Or, oh, I want more. I'm going to put more on because I want it 
I want to boost it. Um, whereas a synthetic, I always say will wear you like synthetic perfumes. Often you'll put them on and they'll remain unchanged. Like six hours later, it'll be the same scent. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but I find that personally a little bit boring. I, I kind of like how things morph. And sometimes I find when I do wear synthetics now that I almost get a little sick of the scent or a little bit like not quite nauseated, but just kind of bored by it, by it unchanging, you know? Um, I mean, again, this is just my personal preference. So speaking of your blend, tell us where and how you create your blends. Yeah. So I have a studio in the Bywater and, um, perfume making you, you always create the scent blend, which is a composition of top notes, middle notes, and base notes. And those are just, uh, categories that the ingredients are, are separated into. And so you build from the base up. So the base notes are the, the foundation of the perfume. They're the longest lasting notes. And then the middle notes are going to be the body of the perfume, what you smell, So the base notes you'll smell the longest. They'll last like after the perfume has worn. The middle notes will be the body. They'll last for usually one to three hours. And those tend to be more of your florals. The base notes tend to be more of the resins and um, and saps. And then the top note is the first thing you smell when you put on a perfume. So in Ritual, Bergamot is the top note. And so that's like your citrus family um those sort of scents. And that'll be the first thing you smell and the first thing that evaporates when you wear a perfume. So I create the blend by, you know, composing base notes, middle notes, top notes. And once I land on, on the blend and the recipe and scale and scale it up, you always add a carrier. So the carrier can be an oil. I, I prefer alcohol-based perfumes. They do better in New Orleans. It's so humid and hot here that we don't want to put more oil on our body and the alcohol helps the perfume last longer and stay on your skin better. So I work with an organic perfumer grade alcohol and I mix the, the essential oils with that alcohol. So. And so when you create um, a blend, I mean, your uh, concept, it's about smell good, mm-hmm. feel good. Mm-hmm. So when you create a blend, you start by smell good or feel good? <laughs> What yeah, comes first? That's a really good question. It used to be the feel good was my first goal and, and smell good. You know, it used to be like, well, this is fun. These are therapeutic. You can feel good while you smell good. And I still love that, but I have definitely gotten more into the, I want this to smell good first. I want this to be a complicated, nuanced perfume, a high quality natural perfume. So I would say my first, I keep getting a little more complicated or at least I just have, I don't know. I might go back to a more simple mode, but my last perfume night cloud was the most complicated scent I've ever made. And that was definitely like, I had a very clear idea of what I wanted it to come out as. And I had these very intentional notes I wanted to work with. Um, And so the feel good was less a part of that, even though of course, like it has lavender essential oil in it. So you're going to get that calming element. So And, you know, we keep talking about the essential oil, but maybe we can explain, you know, what is the process of creating essential oil, you know, and also, and I have another question, maybe we can do uh, one in two. I assume that the harvest, for instance, of lavender in 2016 would be different from the lavender in 2017. And does it make a difference? So if mm-hmm. you can explain the process and just, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the process. So essential oils are derived 
in a couple different ways. Um, steam distillation is the most common way to get essential oils. So basically you harvest a ton of plant matter. So let's use roses, for example. So you would harvest some obscene amount of roses. I forget offhand the number, but it takes like however many tons of roses to produce X amount of oil. So some of these ingredients get quite expensive because it takes a lot of raw plant matter, but you would harvest all the roses and put it in a, in a distilling vessel. So, um, it would be a vessel full of water on the bottom, like a multi-chambered vessel. And, and then the rose petals would be in another chamber above the water. And this would be over a heat source. So as the water boils, steam from the water rises through the rose petals. And that steam helps to release the volatile oils that are found in the rose petals. So every plant has what are called volatile oils. It's basically like we have blood and lymph in our skin and plants are living creatures and they have volatile oils, just like we have blood and lymph, you know? And so those volatile oils are where the scent oils are. They're these concentrated um, parts of the plant. And so those oils get released in the steam. They rise up through this cooling cord in the distillation chamber. And then um, they condense and the condensation is what separates the steam from the oils you just released. So it's really intense. It's an intense process, but it's also simple. You know, this has been done for thousands of years. Um, another way that they get essential oils is through a process called enfleurage where they, um, take a fat source and they lay the, flower down on this fat and they change out the flower petals. So the, the fat absorbs the scent and then they would use a solvent to separate the oil from the fat at the end of that process. And they only do that with like very delicate, um, very delicate flowers that couldn't survive the steam distillation, like jasmines, for example. So but those are the most common ways to get essential oils. So you need to have consistency, I guess, you know. Yeah. So then to that second part of the question I always, I mean, part of a huge part of my job is editing and, you know, using my nose. So it's always a matter of smelling new batches when I get them and working with reliable companies. You know, I, um, there, you just have to make sure that who you're sourcing these products from are, are reliable, reputable, doing sustainable work. So, uh, it is definitely very important to find consistency. And I've, I've definitely smelled oils that didn't, didn't match what they used to, or sometimes, you know, unfortunately, sometimes a company will run out of a source and I'll have to find a new source for that oil. So that's always a process of ordering samples from any other company that carries it and smelling those samples against the, the product I'm used to using and seeing like which one matches the closest. And you do that for cost too. Like sometimes I'll find a cheaper source and I'll, and that's always like, you know, in running a business, you always want to get your yes. cost down. And so I'll order samples and smell. So that's always like a process that can be a little bit stressful, but it is about, you know, working with reputable companies and forming relationships and, and there are some times where it's just out of your control. Like there's recently a pretty big crisis within the vanilla industry and it still hasn't bounced back. But vanilla essential oil is very expensive, very, uh, refined, very like well revered ingredient. But there is a big typhoon in, I believe it was Madagascar that wiped out most of the vanilla stock. And so then everyone sold out of vanilla and it just wasn't available. So you had so many companies who use vanilla for their products, like having to reformulate or having to discontinue the product until vanilla was easy to come by again. 
And you have, I mean, I think there is a, maybe more than hundreds uh, mm -hmm. different types of hundreds. Yes. Yeah. So how did you find your way? Because did, did yeah. you smell hundreds of them? Or I mean, how did you pick? Yeah, I've, I've, I mean, in the beginning, I would literally, you know, because I was self-taught with when I first created Smoke and I just launched the company with one scent, my original scent called Smoke. And so that was like, I would go to Whole Foods and I love that brand, Araucaria, and I would just smell all, I would just stand in that aisle and smell all of those and buy whichever ones or I'd treat myself to a new one every week and just get to know them. And I was making Smoke with those tiny little bottles. And then, you know, now I, I have a perfume mentor. My teacher is named Mandy Eftel, and she is in the Bay Area. And she has a huge collection. Like, one of the best things about studying with her is, in addition to her incredible knowledge, is her amazing collection of oils. Because she just has this huge wall of, of oils that you can smell and play with. So I've definitely learned a lot. Every time I go study with her, I feel like I learn about a new oil Yeah, because I heard you need to take precaution, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with essential oil. Even you though you can just buy it uh, over yeah. the counter at Whole Food, like you said. Yeah. So you need to be... You do, yeah. Yeah, you do need to use caution. Um, you never want to ingest essential oils. And that's something that you see a lot of misinformation about. Like there are a lot of people who believe it's safe to ingest them. And so you'll see people putting oil in their water, you know peppermint oil to soothe your stomach like directly in your water and your food that's never an okay process they're very concentrated they're you know they're the most concentrated part of a plant so it can be really taxing on your liver um i have a friend who was ingesting cinnamon oil and ended up in the emergency room it's very like toxic for your liver to do that so that's like my number one like it doesn't matter the quality or the kind of oil. They're just never to be ingested. Um, you can get the benefits of them by breathing them in, by diluting them in oil and using it as a body oil or massage oil so that it absorbs into your skin, but not to be ingested. And then there are some, you know, some oils that I know you want to be careful with essential oils and, and pets, like with dogs and cats. I think they're sensitive to some oils. I don't know a ton about that. I don't have pets. I don't make pet products. So I don't know, <laughs> but yet. I do know not that yet. they're like, you need to be careful. And then, you know, some oils for pregnancy are not okay. I don't know about that, yes. Yeah. And some oils will cause photosensitivity too. So, and some of them are, are allergens. So there are definitely like every time I'm creating a perfume, I need to look and see, like read about the allergen information and make sure that I'm not putting an ingredient that might cause a rash or, um, a reaction. I mean, even on me, this is a rash from essential oils. And, um, you know, you never know. it was just a lemongrass oil that I use all the time. I don't know why I had a, an adverse reaction that day, but it was a good reminder that they're powerful. They're really concentrated. And also that's really important what you're saying, because part of your brand is to educate people. Mm -hmm. And that's very matters to you. Mm -hmm. That's good. Smoke products are unisex, and it's not the case of a traditional fragrance industry. It makes a lot of sense because well-being does not have sex. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was very um, good, but anyone can just relate to your product. Thank That's you. A strength. Yeah, it's important to me. You know, I think so much of what we see in modern in in the perfume industry is 
it's just marketing. It's trying to sell more perfume. So of course there's a women's perfume, a men's perfume, a spring perfume, a summer perfume. But what I'm doing is saying you can wear any scent you want at any time of the year, no matter who you are. It's kind of like jewelry. You don't change your jewelry for the season necessarily. Um, it's more of a mood. So, and it, or even fashion. I mean, of course, there are winter and summer clothes, but for the most part, like your core pieces. So I kind of feel like part of my work in the education is just educating the consumer. Like, if you're a man, you can wear a floral scent. Um, yeah, if and if you want to feel good, that's yeah. not because you're a man yeah. or a woman, but it makes a difference. Yeah, and you don't have to wear ritual just because it's winter. You know, it's, yeah, I think that's important. And I would love you to talk about your uh, rose petal because you're working with a local grower here in New Orleans and I want to you to explain what you're doing with it. Yeah, I'm so lucky to work with Miss Jeanette of um, Garden on Mars. She's an, an incredible woman. Um, I found her a few years ago. I had launched, you know, at one point in my journey with smoke, I was I was fresh out of herbalism school. I went to school for, or not school, but a distance learning course for herbalism. So was starting to incorporate what I learned in that course into my brand. And I was making a ton of limited edition products, which was not necessarily the smartest business move, but was a lot of fun. And it's not really something I do at this point. But I had been on a trip to Rhode Island for a wedding with my partner and It was in May and all of the wild Rosa rugosa flowers, these wild beach roses that grow on the coast of Providence were blooming and I'd never seen them. And so we were just walking. There's this beach walk and it's just all these rose petals, like rose bushes just covered in flowers. And so I just harvested a bag of them, like didn't go crazy, just harvested like a, a plastic bag and bought them back to New Orleans. And it, and I thought, oh, I'm going to make a, an oil with this because I'd learned about making infused body oils and herbalism classes. And so I bought it back. It happened to be the full moon. I infused them for a month, um, strained it on the next full moon and, re- and released it as a limited edition rose body oil. And it went really well. People just loved it. I loved it. I, I've always had an affinity for roses. And so I thought it would be nice to to make that again and to find a local grower. And so I reached out to, do you know Pistol and Stamen, the flower company? No, I do not. Oh, it's this female-owned flower company called Pistol and Stamen, and they're really wonderful women. And they, I reached out to them asking if they could grow roses for me or if they were doing that for anyone, and they were too busy, but they directed me to Miss Jeanette. And so Miss Jeanette is this incredible... Um, flower farmer. She's in her 70s. She has two rose gardens and a garden in the Lower Ninth Ward where she does advocacy work, um, teaching people how to grow their own food. She works with like a ton of volunteer groups. She's so smart, so amazing, such a cool person. And so we've been working together since then. And this was probably 2015, I think. And Um, so I started getting roses from her and making my rose body oil. And then that has been a product, a, pro- a staple in my product line since then. And then I created a smoking blend. So I have like an herbal smoking blend and you can use it as incense or, or you can roll it in rolling papers and smoke it as you would a cigarette, but it's not addictive. There's no tobacco in it. So the rose petals found their way in that. 
And then the rose glycer, it was born of that because I had an, I was processing roses from her. And so she'll get me the fresh roses. I'll process them and dry them for the oil. But I had an abundance of them and I didn't want to dry them. I thought, you know, I have this vegetable glycerin lying around. I'll just make a glycerate with these fresh roses. And again, it was just shocking to me when I tasted it. Like, That's an explosion later. in your mouth. Yeah, this yeah. Like you have a full rose garden exploding in your it's mouth. It's incredible. This is amazing. And I have to say, I, I had a couple of drops. No, yeah. not a full. Actually, not a couple. A drop full. Yeah. Uh, under my tongue, uh, right before we started this yeah. uh, conversation, and this is absolutely fascinating. This is yeah. amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a celebration of the roses. Like the color is from the roses, the flavor. It's an explosion. It's, it's amazing. And so it's been really fun to be able to celebrate her roses and, and have that product available. And it's been doing really well. People love it, you know, because it is, again, you know, I love my work as a massage therapist, but I can affect so many more people with these products. You I reach sort of out, call yeah. them like self-care products. Like these are products, usually everything I make is something that... I've made for myself that has helped me or I've experimented with my own healing with. And so being able to put these out there, I really believe in them. I really do feel that the rose petal glycerate helps me a lot too. So I always try to practice what I preach. Yeah. Yeah. You really reach out much more people. Yeah. Yeah. Know, I mean, at just... this point I can see like one client a day, maybe two. It's not a huge part of my practice anymore. So let's talk about business. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> If you can describe us, you know, uh, your entrepreneur journey, journey, you know, the turning your passion into a successful business, it's always interesting to hear. Yeah, it, it's been, it's been uh, not without its ups and downs. Um, yeah, I mean, smoke was very accidental for me. You know, I didn't have a business plan. I didn't mean to launch this whole company. When I launched... I had just the one cent and I thought it would be an interesting project. You know, I just thought, I'll, why not? I have time. I have resources to put at this. I can just work on this one thing and that'll be that. Um, so, and you know, I, I've, I've always had a strong entrepreneurial drive. My family were business owners. My brother's an entrepreneur. Um, I'm a Capricorn. So we're like kind of built or my Capricorn rising. And so there's like some element, I think in my personality for it, but, and even with, with body work, I've been a self-employed massage therapist now for over 10 years. So, I like working for myself and that part has always been kind of like, that's come pretty naturally for me. I don't really, it doesn't, it's not like a struggle for me to stay motivated. I know for a lot of people like being self-directed is not easy. So that's been the easy part. The business part is the hard part because I'm not a numbers person and I still don't know how to make a spreadsheet. Like I have no idea. I was working it's with a way, spreadsheet yeah. yesterday. I was like, I still don't know how to do this. I don't know. I mean, this is going to make me sound. <laughs> no, no, no. It's always a struggle for a very creative yeah. mind yeah. to have to yeah. stick to the, the reality of numbers. Yeah. And it's a pain, but it's, it's part hard. of business. It is. Hard. It is. And I've gotten better at it. You know, I used to have like a literal aversion to math and science and numbers and money. And I've gotten much better at that. I, um, and of course I really believe in outsourcing. Like I have a bookkeeper. I do too. Yeah. And I, I use QuickBooks and I have a bookkeeper and I pay more for that service. I pay way more to keep a bookkeeper that I pay every month. But for me, it's worth it. I would rather lose a little money and just know that my books are always going to be kept up by someone who knows what they're doing. I feel like in the long run, that'll be better for me. So yeah, it's, it's been a lot of trial and error, a lot of like self-taught 
things. And, and it's honestly, it's been a huge part of my healing journey. You know, I came into this as a human with my own healing work to do and my own emotional growth to do. And running a business has really shown me where I still have work to do. You know, a lot of imposter syndrome or, or feelings around self-worth have come up, you know, like who am I to run this business or, you know, that those types of thoughts. So I've, it's been good. It's been a good mirror. I've um, really learned to let a lot of things go. And is there any things you will do differently today? I mean, compared to if you would have to start again today, is there anything you would do different, differently? I think, you know, I guess the one thing that comes to mind is like as beautiful as my organic journey has been, and it's been important, it's been an important part of this process. I think I would love to have been more intentional. You know, I think, um, because I didn't really have a solid plan, I have had to do a lot of rebranding along the way and a lot of like, have had a lot of packaging issues along the way. And I just wish I had like spent a ton of money in the beginning and done it right. Like gotten the custom glass bottle from France and like really like set myself apart in those ways. Instead, I was sort of you know, I'm bespoke, I'm DIY. I'm like, I've, I, I mean, it's great. I'm, I'm debt free and have funded this just with money from the business the whole time, which is, I'm really grateful for that. I'm glad I don't have a ton of debt or investors to pay back. But the flip side of that is I always just launched products like with what I could do for my scale, which was not much. So there was always this kind of like handmade element and that's great, but it's hard to scale up. And so I've, I've definitely felt limited by the, by that decision at some times. Like I kind of wish that I, if I were to start over or start a new perfume company, I think I would just start with an injection of capital up front. And I, I know you, you mentioned the packaging and the glass bottle. I think you had some very frustrating issue just by having a leak on your yeah. uh, bottle, which is highly frustrating because you spend all this time yeah. uh, and money, of course, you know, uh, making your own blend um mm -hmm. just it's but is leaking and it's just out yeah. of control yeah incredibly frustrating in fact i'm taking steps to rebrand my roll-on bottles as we speak because i have tried to address it and it's just clear that roller bottles are just tricky that's what i love about the spray bottles is they're much more consistent and i don't have those issues because yeah you're working with these beautiful natural ingredients and there's so much work and thought that goes into it And then if someone buys a bottle and they paid $60 for it and it's leaked everywhere, they're not going to care how much heart you put into it. Like they're just going to be a disappointed com customer who may never buy your product again. So I'm really excited about this current rebrand I'm working on because it's going to completely eradicate the leaking issue. And it's going to help with some of those issues like streamlining and moving away from that handmade wooden element that I, that I use. So I'm excited about that. I, I'm not sure what the timeline on that is. We're working on it, but hopefully this summer I can launch that. And that's, that's like feels already like a relief. Yeah. I have to say you need to go online and you definitely need to look at all the lines. It's beautiful. The branding, it's packaging, it's logo, everything is very refined, elegant, gorgeous. Oh, I love, you. love it. Thank you. That's and I really need to, to go online and see and order, of course. Um, I want to know about the word smoke. Yeah. You know, how did you come up with a name? Yeah, I was, well, when I was launching my one blend without any business plan, that it was just going to be a little project, I was trying to think of a name. And 
I, uh, my brother was maybe going to do it with me at the time. He and I were very close and we were just brainstorming, you know, what's the name going to be? And I had sort of a running list of all these words. I wish, I wish I'd kept that list because there were probably some insane names on there, but just what's it going to be? What's it going to be called? What's it going to be called? And I knew, you know, at the time this was over six years ago and there just wasn't much out there in the way of, of handmade natural perfumes. There is a lot of like cheap stuff or like even being in New Orleans with the the perfume history, there's like, I didn't, I knew I didn't want it to be too obvious of a name. And so, uh, one night we were just eating dinner at the bar at Felipe's in the French quarter, <laughs> in the French quarter at the time. And someone next to us, somehow smoking came up. I don't even know, but somehow smoking cigarettes came up. Like either someone was going to go smoke or whatever, but we just looked at each other and had this total light bulb moment and we're like, smoke. That's it. And it was really powerful and really lucky because the origin of the word perfume comes from the word smoke, from fumar, fumigate, the Latin word for smoke. So... I'm actually shocked that that name was available because smoke perfume, it's just, it's just kind of perfect. So yeah, I'm really, I'm very happy about that. So sense is strongly connected to memory. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us, you know, a sense that evokes a memory for you? I would have to say anything that takes me back to Belize. Like I'm thinking of like... You're from Belize. Yeah. I feel like the scent of a mango, like tropical fruits, like papaya, mango, pineapple. Um, Even if I'm in the grocery store and I pick up a pineapple and smell it. Uh, And then the sea, like sea sea air, salt water, like that salt smell um, always takes me back to Belize. So I think those things in nature really... Really, I love those smells. I think this is so powerful. Yeah. I mean, like I have, um, when I take a um, raspberry mm-hmm. and I eat a raspberry, mm-hmm. it brings me back every time to my grandmother's garden. Oh my God. It's just like you fly back. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be intense because it's Very such intense. a nostalgic part of your story. Yeah. You know, and it never left me all these years. Yeah. Just bring me back there. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So your business is based in New Orleans, and I would love to know if a city has an impact on your business. It does. It does. I mean, you know, initially, I really do feel like the original signature scent of smoke was very inspired by being new in New Orleans, having moved here from Arizona, um, it was a very healing and creative time for me being back close to my family. And I was living in the French quarter for the first time, which felt very evocative and, you know, the Jasmine were blooming. So yeah, I definitely, it's very much inspired by that springtime, like Jasmine sort of, and you know, I was in my, I was like in my twenties and just kind of getting on my own two feet for the first time, like done with college, done with massage school, finally, fine, finally, like in a good workflow, finally, like able to support myself. So there, there is a lot of empowerment for me in that process. So, um, yes, originally. And then I think, you know, it still does inspire it. My late, my latest scent, Night Cloud, is inspired by the New Orleans night sky and the way the clouds are at night here, where you look up and they're just these glowing white, crazy clouds. I love that so much. So, yeah, it's it's fun to to feel the way the city can still inspire me, and and I think it's a it's been a receptive city for me to 
be self-employed. You know, this is a city of hustlers. So if it is, you can hustle and you can really make it work. And I'm, and you can make it work in a way that doesn't break the bank. You know, we can keep our overhead down here. Whereas I don't know how I would do it if, if I lived in a more expensive city or, or a bigger city with like a more expensive studio space type of thing. Yeah, so would, would you have any, uh, um, advice or recommendation for people who just have a passion and just are very hesitant to just jump and go into turn a passion into a business? I mean, I would say, I mean, the main phrase that comes to mind is like, good is better than perfect. I have definitely just found my own way. I mean, I think just move towards something, even if, even if it is like I started with like one cent, one project, one pop-up at a time, um, you will figure it out pretty quickly by getting your boots on the ground rather than just sitting behind, you know, just researching everything online and trying to make it perfect before you launch. I think just go for it. That's true. Yeah. Well, Catherine, thank you so much. Thank I you. really enjoyed uh, yeah, listening about your passion. It was so fun. Thanks, Valerie. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to Kathleen for joining me for this episode of Textures. And thank you for listening. I personally wear smoke perfume every day. And I just discovered the amazing rose glycerate. Just try it. You will not regret. If you want to find out more about Kathleen and her work, visit her website at smokeperfume.com and her Instagram page at smokeperfume. I will include the links in Textures, Podcast, Instagram page, and on my website at valerielegras.com slash podcast. If you like this episode, follow us on your favorite platform. Take the time to review us and do not hesitate to share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. A bientôt.